You have now tuned into the hood's number one online station. Welcome to the Voice of the College Nation show with the Collagenesis tonight. Uh, we're talking about uh, toxic 
uh, black America being toxic, toxic Negroism, toxic blackism and everything like that. So we're going to uh, um, rock tonight and uh, I, I'm going to be with you and you have to know who I am. I'm Kyle Genesis, voice of the Kyle Nation, head of the Black African Infrastructure Organization. You are uh, listening to somebody that's been in this a long time. And I say a lot of controversial stuff. I say that I love, but I, I said what needs to be said. So uh, basically, uh, it's not to boast on myself or to brag on myself, but hey, I say things that nobody else is going to say. You know, uh, and I was on the show earlier tonight. People are like, Colin, man, you were the most controversial Negro in the world. Yeah, I am. So, so with that, with that, I'll give myself a round of applause. Thank you, 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 thank you. So give it up, give it up, give it up. Call Genesis, give it up. Call Genesis, call Genesis, call Genesis, give it up. Call You don't call it? Yes. All right, all right, no, no. All right, I had enough. So tonight's topic, toxic Negroism, toxicness in the black culture. <clears throat> Everything we do in Black America has gotten to the point where it's toxic. And, I, and, I, and a caveat to this, right? And a segue to this, I read an article today. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I posted it. It was uh, the headline was it said that uh, social media is creating this. And when you look at it, it's the truth, right? You have people that are so full of vanity and materialism and just me, selfish. Uh, people are just so full of themselves. And so what happens is when you are so full of yourself, right, the reality of what you think of yourself, what you think of yourself and the reality of the way the world perceives you, when those two things collide, what you have is toxicity, right? This is why there's a lot of women who don't like Kevin Samuels. Now, Kevin Samuels is the type of brother that tells it like it is, right? Because for the longest time, it's not going to be a time, but... Look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity offender, you know? I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm going to offend sisters tonight. I'm going to offend brothers tonight. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to defend sisters tonight. <clears throat> you know, I don't like seeing black women being torn down. And a uh, situation that happened on Dinah Show Sunday night really broke my heart. You know, older sister, you know? And, okay, she's divorced, married 30 years, divorced and everything. And the brothers tell her, well, you can forget it. Because you're not on the market and all stuff like that. Every woman knows. No, look, brothers, let me say something. Women's, women hurt our feelings. They say stuff. As a man, uh, Kyle, you sound sick right now. You know, look, I know for a fact that I witnessed a woman on eyes right here. You could say the wrong thing to a woman, right? And you think, okay, because she got a lot of men, she'll be all right. No. You could say the wrong thing to a woman. That could, I learned that a long time ago. I said, well, because all my life, I've been hurt by women and stuff like that. They didn't care the callous feelings. They didn't care. But the thing is, though, when it comes to a, a woman, right, you don't want to get it so a woman's scorned. That means her the power she has over her femininity. She's giving. She's warm. And, uh, and her ability to heal any man. Every woman has that. To say the right words. You know, this power women God give over men. When you get up there and tell women that that natural power they have doesn't exist and everything, and that's what happened with this uh, this uh, uh, feminine black male culture. 
black men want to be women. They want to compete with women. You know, no matter how, how pretty you think you are, you're not uh, going to be pretty as a woman. You're not going to be a woman. You think that you uh, uh, look good or whatever, your money and everything can make you be like, oh, I can't be. No, it don't work like that. You, as men, men, we have to humble ourselves sometimes, right? And realize, right? We're not, we're not always going to be young and pretty. We're not going to have to be 19, 21 years old. You're not going to look like you were when you were 19, 20. You may be able to get women as, as you get older. And that's why I disagree with uh, the Kevin Samuels crowd. Yeah, you can go get younger women. Yeah, that, that right? Yeah, women have a, a biological clock and everything. But why do you feel that you have to basically remind women that you can go out there and get younger women because you're maybe older with established and everything, right? And she may not. She may not. What do you what, what do you what do we get out of that? You can walk away from the conversation and be like, okay, you know, if you know that, you can walk from the conversation and say, you know something? I know I can get a lot of women. I know this woman's telling me that I'm I'm not whatever, I'm not a, a high value black man and everything, but that doesn't bother me. Man, suck it up, you know? I don't, I, don't, I don't understand why so many black men uh, so feel they have to uh, engage in these um, these back and forth bash, bashing black women. You know, and I say say this, Carla, man, you sound like a sinner and everything. I know for a fact, you know, and I'll say this and I believe this, right? The problems of uh, relationships in black America are laid at the feet of the men. You know, we had a chance a long time ago have a nation of our own, building stuff like that, but we didn't want to do that. So we have a situation where we can't give our women what they deserve. A woman should be able to get the man of their dreams. You know, you should have men in your life. A young girl should have men in their life that uh, uh, looks after them without trying to ask for sex in return. They should have that in their community. They should have father figures, you know, uncle figures, even if you're not blood relationship, you should be that man. What do you, what do you, what do you, you know, you, you're not losing anything. And therefore, we wonder why our culture is so toxic, why girls have to turn to, uh, to get attention. They got to turn to Instagram and all these other things because there's not males in the community that's strong. If you had girls, uh, we had this sort of community where you have girls uh, who uh, had men that looked after them. I remember I was doing Uber years ago. It was back in 2015. And I'd pick up these young college girls when not from Hampton University, Norfolk State, right? And uh, one girl was like, uh, she was like 18. I said, well, what are you doing out? This time, I'm like, well, I'm just going to a party, Mr. Dwayne. I'm like, yo, look, girl's going to go back to your dorm and you're going to go inside. These girls are cute too, real pretty. Real 18, 19-year-old girls. When I, I said, you're going to go inside and you're going to tell those boys whatever. Okay, okay. But no, we're not doing nothing. We're just going. I said, well, go, go back to your dorm. And that's it for the night. I said so. Now, I had no right to say. I'm just an Uber driver, right? But they were just so appreciative of the fact that I cared enough for them to say something like that. So we got Because the bottom line is that's my authority and that's my aura as a man. And for the first time in their lives, they recognize that's a real man. You know, that's a real man. And everything I do, right, you know, so at the time I'm taking my girl one night, you know, I don't get nothing out of it because my relationships were always sour. I never really had, as far as like long-term relationships, I really never really had like uh, uh, 
good relationship with women and stuff like that, you know? But at the same time, right? And I had women use me and stuff like that. I've been hurt my whole life, you know? But at the same time, right? I noticed something in me as a man to say, them girls are going to remember that. They're going to remember you. They're going to remember that you cared enough to tell them with authority in your voice to get inside the hotel, get inside the campus and go to sleep, you know? That's enough. You know, you guys are out too late. You know, and so so they're gonna remember that there's somebody out there caring about that. That not all black men are out there trying to get them in bed, and not, not all black men are trying to uh, use them for sex or whatever like that. They're gonna remember that. What does that What does that do? I don't know, but I I know that that's my part. That's what I did. And we don't have enough of our brothers who take this role as a man. You think you got to have all this money. You think you got to have all this before you can start being a man. No, because sometimes it's the little things you do. Like what I just did. The little things you do that bring down the toxic toxicity level in our culture. We got too many men, grown men, that are out there objectifying women. That they'll understand that. that uh, there's this video, uh, this thing going out now, right, with these young punks are uh, doing things with girls saying, this is somebody, I'm with somebody's daughter right now. The disrespect. It's about how much we can disrespect the social order. How much we can disrespect families. How much we can show that we do. It's not even about now about uh, getting sex or whatever. It's about who we can disrespect. Who we can basically uh, front on and all the stuff like that. This is what's going on. And this toxic level of culture in black America and America, it's America, not just black America, it's America. But it seems to me that um, when it comes to black America, white America seems like it loves showcasing the most toxic level of black America there is and make that the norm. They've been doing that for decades. They've been doing that a long time. That's why they had to get rid of people like Bill Cosby, you know? That's why people like Robert Townsend never went in place. Why? Because they don't fit the narrative. When you try to do things wholesome and uh and uh what's that guy that used to have a used to have a studio? I forgot his name, Tim something, Reynolds. I think his name Tim Reynolds. I didn't even notice right until years later that he had his own uh uh production studio and stuff like that. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I didn't even know that. But the thing is anybody who's doing anything positive or uh producing things positive and showing positive aspects of black life in America, like uh Ebony magazine, everything, they're targets. Why? Because the bottom line is this. You cannot have a functioning black community in the midst of a white community, right? There's going to be conflict. This is why it's up to the white media to always show the negative aspects of black America. Why? To beat us down. Make us doubt ourselves. Make our women dislike us. Make our women distrust us. Make our women feel like we can't provide. All these stereotypes that are not true. Black men are very involved in their children's life. Black men are very good providers. We're doing all these things, right? Maybe we should do more, but the toxic culture in black America is what gets up. You know something? I said this many times before, and I, you know, and so for, for the sake of audience or whoever's listening right now, I never heard me say this, right? I really thought when I came online, right, when I decided I wanted to uh, rebuild the colonization in 2006, I had a colonization culture movement back in the 90s, right? Back in 93, 94, when I was really young. 
And I said, a colony nation is going to survive, whatever. And I said, and I gave it up, right? I gave all this whole thing up and uh, the movement and everything. In 2006, right, I decided to come back on. I get online. I Because before, when I was doing it, it was just door-to-door, you know, group meetings and stuff like that. So when I discovered the Internet and social media and all stuff like that in 2006, I said, wow, this is going to be a powerful tool, right? And then I, started, I said, wow, you can upload videos and stuff like that. And I thought at the time that we're finally going to be able to see a side of black America that people can put up their own videos and stuff like that. So we'll have positivity. That did not happen. What came around at the same time? World star hip hop. I said, look, all the normal things I see in black America was hidden. This, this showed you that the majority of black people that you see, like I see every day, having nice houses out there cleaning their yarn, uh, sending kids off to college and whatnot, does not exist in social media. I thought it was the white media that didn't show uh, uh, black life in a positive way. And then it dawned on me that's not just the white media. We don't want to see uh, a positive side of black America. We like toxic culture. And we like putting it out there. We identify with toxic culture. That's who we are. You can have people who have a degree and have a nice house and everything, but they basically want like the toxic ratchet culture <clears throat> because we don't know how to identify ourselves as just normal people. That's boring. That's uh, that's that's corny. We don't want to identify uh, 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 just doing normal things and everything. It has to be toxic. Why? Because that's who we are. Because we don't have an identity. You know, because this is how it is. When you live in a society where you have white and black, right? White people are always seen as proper. This is a, this is this is just another thing people say. The white man's always seen as uh, uh, authority, uh, procedural. You know, uh, by the book and all stuff like that. Where black people and our culture, we're more swaggerish, uh, cool, hip, and all these things, right? So therefore, when you see a black man who's thorough, we attribute that to whiteness. Let me say that again. When black people are thorough, we attribute that to whiteness. You know, we attribute everything good, anything organized to whiteness. You know, so we basically, uh, when somebody's going out there, you see a black man doing a thing, he's out there getting a, a, a thing, paying his thing on time, just not going out partying and everything. He's going to, he's trying, that family's trying to be white. And so therefore we automatically attribute everything good to whiteness. So white people get a free pass. There's a lot of white people who are ratchet, ghetto, and all the stuff like that, right? A large percentage of right. But because they're white, you automatically think he's procedural, He's authoritarian, he's honest, he's thorough, and all these things. Because we in our culture, we always attribute those things to whiteness. Why is that? Because because the whole thing is this. We always see, uh, uh, anytime you have the system as white. Now, anybody who worked at a job, right, if you're a black person who works at a job, let's say you work at a job as a manager, right? You know, the hardest thing you're going to uh, have is with black customers and black uh, employees, black customers and black employees. I see it all the time. They give black management a hard time. You see these videos, right? 
where they're fighting over Popeyes and fist fighting in Wendy's. There was a, a video the other day where a black woman reaches inside the drive-thru and starts firing at the crew because her order was taking too long. No kind of respect, no kind of anything, right? Why? Because we don't respect that. Now, if that was an all-white establishment, we wouldn't have done that. Why? Because we, we're not stupid enough to basically take our toxicity out on white people. We know we'll take it out of the Asians. We'll take it out of the black people and everything. But when it comes to white people, no, we know whatever uh, uh, issues we may have, we put those in the background because we know there lies damnation when it comes to white people. That's what it is. There lies damnation. When you see the white person or not, uh, you think twice before doing something to him and everything because you know it's not going to end well for you. Well, black people, oh, yes. It's on. You know, what you say? No, you got my order wrong? I'm going to come across that counter and everything. You know for a fact you don't want to do that with white people. So that's what it is. This is black toxic culture. And where does it end? Uh, we'll talk about that in the next segment. How can we uh, get that? Uh, what can we uh, do? And uh, uh, I think uh, people who run media platforms have a very big role in this. You know, very big role in this. Um, I said this years ago when I worked in a club, right? I said a DJ in a club probably is probably one of the most powerful people in the community. A DJ, a club DJ. And I basically saw, like, look, see, this is what, like, when I was working in a club, 2000, between 2005 and 2009, I worked in a club. Those, I mean, that's five years, six years old. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, four years, so two thousand ten. Five years I worked in a club. And I did some parties, stuff like that, bodyguard work and stuff like that. So so five years I worked in a club, you know? Mid two thousands, two thousands, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I worked in a club, right? And I saw, right, and at the time, that's when I, while I was working in a club, I was going through a metamorphosis. The old me and the college genesis was at war. I wanted to be the uh, big D thug, you know, uh, uh, type, knock a dude out in the club. You know, I'm just a badass, martial arts, choke a nigga out, whatever the fuck I got to do. That's That was me, you know, running around all types of women and whatnot, you know, just partying, clubbing, you know, getting high. You know, that was just me. That was my club life. That was the club years. Those were the things I put behind me. But I was going through a transformation. And then uh, the last transformation, what transformed me was uh, when Barack Obama got elected, right? And I was participating. Uh, I went to one of his rallies and stuff like that. And I said, you know, so I'm, I'm a, I think I'm going to go straight. I, saw, I started getting a buzz online, Kyle Nation. And I had a blog talk. I started my blog talk radio show in 2009. That was a beautiful time period in my life. And in 2009, I, uh, between, in 2009, 2010, I gave up for the clubs. So the nights I would do, instead of being in a club, whatever like that, you know, working club security, that's when I really got in my insurance business and everything. I would be on Block Talk Radio. I'd be on this uh, platforms on Block Talk Radio, reaching uh, listeners and stuff, talking to people, and people communicating back with me. And I created a following, Call Nation show on Block Talk Radio. It's still there, you can look it up. Block Talk Radio, Call Nation, Voice of the Call Nation. So anyway, I created a huge following, and my ideology began taking root. I talked about nationhood. I talked about building communities and stuff like that. I thought outside the box. For example, 
when people were talking about, I was the first, and I'm not gonna sit here and brag on myself or like that. I was the first out of the conscious people or the black nationalist community to say, okay, if we're gonna talk about economics, right? We're talking about economics, we're gonna talk about economics and that. And I said, I get on the show with some of these Negroes, right? They don't know shit. Well, we'll put out money. I said, look, okay, why don't we start talking about credit? Why don't we talk about financial markets? So I brought in a bunch of people that I met. I said, why don't you be on my show tonight? Let's talk about investments. Let's talk about the stock market. Let's talk about stock exchange. Let's talk about all these things. So I met a whole bunch of people. Let's talk about, at the time, what was new was uh, electronic currency. <laughs> currency. I talked about that. So I began talking about things outside the box. Why I put the Ujama show, the colonization of Ujama show. But instead of talking about, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about black corporate economics. I started talking about what about investment clubs? You know, so in other words, basically, I gave you your culture, Ujama. But I said there's another way. Technique was a modern approach. Let's have investment clubs. You know, let's have trust funds. Let's talk about trust funds. Let's talk about all these things, you know, uh, uh, municipal bond, buying bonds, you know, and stuff like that. Savings bonds and investment bonds, you know, yield. So I had people, so the conversation, I had people in the chat room, how do you guys talk about this? Y'all sound white. Nothing. Back to what I'm talking about. Y'all talking about hedge funds and something. Y'all sound white. Y'all a bunch of crackers. Kyle, you a fucking cracker. You talking about hedge funds and all this stuff. I said, Negro, sit your ignorant, ignorant ass down. Like, you can't be talking about that stuff. Why? It's against the law. What law? Well, I, I, I'm going to report you to the nation of Islam. And I'm like, Negro. I said, man, we got an uphill battle. So you want to talk about uh, 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 economics. But where's your economics? Right? Economics, right? And I'm going to say something. And you know what really, 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 really convinced me? Okay, I, as you know, I do insurance for a living, right? I travel around to rural areas and everything like that. I was in Port in Virginia, right? And I saw something, right? And I wish I was, I think I got pictures, but I, I took a picture of it. But it was like 2010, right? So I don't know if I got the picture somewhere. because This is before smartphones and everything. But if I can ever find these pictures, the building's torn down. But uh, I was basically... Uh, went to this uh, place in Emporia, right? Emporia, and I studied the history of Emporia. Emporia used to be a really happening black city back in the days, you know, really happening, right? But the, I can tell at one time, black people, they had a black power movement in Emporia. I heard about this, you know, in the South. You know, everybody got into the African stuff, Ujama, Kwanzaa, and stuff like that, right? But I said to myself, I'm going to start a movement, right? And I saw that there was a movement there, and it failed. And I saw the building, Ujamaa, this, or the building like this. If you can look at, think about what I was looking at. I was just looking at it and saying, that could be me. You know, what I was like saying, well, what happened? You know, what happened? The people, the black people here in Emporia, they, most, a lot of them left, you know, mostly poor people left in the city. And I'm saying to myself, it looked like somebody came through with a black power program in the 70s. Look, the, the paintings look like it's out of the 70s, you know, it had kids out there, first fruits, and, you know, economics. It was, a, it was a back of an abandoned warehouse. So whatever happened to this place, you know, I still don't get the real story, but I'm still investigating after all these years later, 11 years later, I'm still investigating. But I'm going to talk about that more in the next segment. So in the meantime, let's listen to some music, right? And I'm going to come back and talk about 
that, you know, and why toxic culture overtook any sort of reasonable, rational thing. You want to talk about what we need to do to have the reasonable, rational, and all this stuff like that. You know, so basically, you know, hold up, hold up, folks. I'll play some music, you know. But we're on a roll here tonight, folks. We're on a roll. We are on a roll here tonight. I'm going to tell you about that. And we're going to talk, I'm going to tie that into one of my theme tonight of toxic culture, why it keeps balance and everything, you know.
Genesis, uh, heading into the second segment. You want to talk more about what I finished off in the first segment <coughs> about what happened I saw in Poria and still weighs heavily and you know something? And uh, I, I, I can tell you, like, um, that was 10 years ago. Uh, ten, about 10 years ago, I was 40. I think I just turned 40. And so basically, it tells you 40 years of your life. I'm going to get back to this. So remember what I just said. 40 years, when you're 40 years old, right, you should have enough life experience to make decisions based on everything that you saw, were taught, and learned your whole entire life. What we have in black America is what we call arrested development. We have people who never become adults. Perfect example I'll talk about. Okay, so I saw this building. And it both shocked me and it scared me. Because before that, I was like, yeah, we're going to do uh, the, uh, the Collar Nation uh, Kwanzaa stuff. And I had a Collar Nation Kwanzaa edition, you know, Collar Nation. But I saw, I, saw, I said, okay, uh, Ujima means collective work and responsibility. I talked about building infrastructure industries, you know, uh, and have things like uh, model after something like Mitsubishi, where you have. Uh, 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 vendors, Mitsubishi has a network. When you look at Mitsubishi, Sumitomo, and everything, they go to the rural areas of, of Japan, right? And they'll go to sh uh, people own shops and uh, even farmers that have stuff and say, hey, look, we're going to give you a power supply. We need you to produce these parts. Well, we're making pottery uh, uh, by the order of the government, but your patriotic duty, produce these parts right here for aircraft. When you're done producing these parts and everything, and you're going to get paid, and they get paid. You're going to get paid more money than you make parts, right? So the people would say, okay, you know something? I'm being enfranchised by my own people. Mitsubishi, Hitachi, Sumitomo, Machihita, uh, whatever clan that, uh, I, that that have a long trade thing is requiring me to make these parts, right? So I make these parts, right, and ship them and, and, and deliver them to the local, the, the regional warehouse, right? It gets distributed to the manufacturers or whatever like that. So Japan had a good internal manufacturing system, right? They're parts of it. That was part of what they call the Zaibatsu. Listen to this. Zaibatsu was an economic clan. So I said, why don't we create the same thing in black America? Like the Ujama, Ujima could be like the Zaibatsu of black America. The thing is, black America is not a nation state. We're not a republic. We're not a government, you know? We're still trying to be Americans. We're not. This is what I try to tell people tonight. So therefore, there was. I, I studied that in Japan, right? And I was like, Wow, man. What if we had our own government? What if we was on our own land, our own territory? 
you will have that sort of situation where you can enfranchise even the smallest operation, right? When the, the job's done, they go back to their pottery. Same thing happens in Japan today. Japan saves a lot of money uh, internally uh, uh, contracting and subcontracting and outsourcing stuff to small vendors. Okay, can you make this part right here? Unconventional, unorthodox, and everything. In America, it's just the opposite. Everything is corporations. This is what happened to the Ujama people in, uh, in Emporia, right? They had their cooperative economics, but they were not part of a big supply chain. Do you understand what ecologists are trying to tell you? Do you understand where I'm coming at from? You get it? They were not part of a big supply chain. They were not connected to banks, finance, everything. So the white people looked at this, this noble effort, all these black people trying to like this, but it didn't work. I wish I could go back in time in the 60s and say, you know, no, that's not the way to do it. We need banks. We need finance. You need buyers. You know, you need uh, manufacturers to purchase your stuff. And then the excess stuff, you sell to the local market. That didn't happen because we go, we do business on emotion. And I always say like this, this thing, I, this, this, this uh, acronym I live by, LARP, right? LARP. When somebody tries to tell you something, right, think LARP. Now, what does LARP mean, Kala? What, what, what are you talking about? LARP, L-A-R-P. L, it has to be logical. A, it has to be achievable. R, it can be reasonable or rational. Reasonable. And then uh, um, P, it has to be practical. So it creates an overall sense of pragmatism. Uh, when we have people leading us, right, who are basically, uh, uh, they're illogical. They're toxic. You understand this? They throw stuff at you, right? Oh, we got to do this. It's not logical. It's not achievable. It's not rational and it's not practical. Well, we're going to do it anyway, Colin. Okay, go ahead and do it. But you should be, I'm not supporting shit. Because I know all these harebrained schemes, like the Adolf thing with Yvette Carnell, was not logical, achievable, rational, or reasonable, and practical. That's why the Adolf movement, reparations movement, failed. It was not, let me say it again, LARP, logical, uh, achievable, rational and reasonable and practical so it's not those things all people are doing is pontificating to you creating a sense of self-importance and everything they did Umar Johnson I love Umar Johnson but his school that he was trying to build right in Lawrenceburg Virginia and everything I saw it that campus is huge there's no way Umar Johnson a youtuber was going to do this why because his mission to create an all-black school was not LARP Logical, achievable, rational, and reasonable, and practical. L-A-R-P. If it's not that, then tell people, sit down. Well, who, who do you say? Look, the law of pro the, 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 the probability is a law. And logic is a law. The law of logic. When you have people... Uh, when 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 uh, when you submit a plan to a blueprint or underwriting or something like that, they can look at the facts and figures and everything, and tell you if it's all those things. You'll have somebody say, "Is that logical? Logic, logistical? Is that logical? Does it make sense? You know, does it make sense? A, B, C, D, whatever. Okay. 
It doesn't make sense. You can't connect A because the variable right here, like that and everything. We don't have people like that uh, uh, in our community. So when they come give you a program, a movement that you want to join, they haven't uh, vetted. They haven't went through a vetting and what they want to do. This is why a lot of programs and businesses and ideas fail because they don't they don't have nobody. You, what you when you have an organization or do something, you have to have no men. Like Jamal is my no man. You know, he's my no man. He's the one calling, no calling, no calling, no calling. He's wrong a lot of times, but he's right a lot of times. No calling, no calling, no calling, no calling, no calling. Jamal took the night off tonight, folks. Anyway, if you don't have a no man, if you don't have somebody saying, wait a minute here, that's not LARP. You want us to invest in this thing you say. You want us to bring money in here, involve people, put our reputation online. It's illogical. Well, we have a, 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 a department. That that's uh, uh, they have skills in logic. You know, they got degrees in accounting. Okay, that's logical. Okay, is it achievable? You know, well, you know, it has to go through this, has to go this, and everything like that. In a time frame, a timely matter, is that achievable? You know, oh, gee, no, we, no, it's not. So, is it reasonable, rational? In other words, when you go propose to somebody, is it something within reason? You know, the age of reason and enlightenment and reason. You know, you got to be reasonable, you know, because you're going to have opposition. Can you win over the opposition? Can you win over uh, uh, who might oppose you? Can you convince people to come along to take the risk? Is it reasonable? And lastly, is it practical? Do we need to do this at this important time? If it's not practical, you know, it's not the practical thing to do. Everything you see that functions in the world is all those things. When you see a community center in your community and it's working, it's been there for years, well, okay, it's also it's large. People thought about it. They gave their opinion what could go wrong and everything. After thorough vetting, okay, we have the funds, we have the uh, ways and means to do it. They always find the ways and means. You have ways and means of committee in Congress, you know? That's where all bills start in Congress as far as things, the ways and means. Do we have the ways and means to uh, do that? Well, do we have the ways? Do we have the means? Well, we have a lot of black organizations. We have none of these things. It's just somebody sitting up on high, grandstanding, telling us, we got to do this. We got to do this. Well, is it LARP? How dare you? How dare you? You sound white. And this is the reason why we're in a situation we're in right now. Because nobody wants to take the time and do these things. We're not that sort of people. Our culture has to change. And the way that culture changes is we have to start with some, uh, some level, start holding each other accountable, right? And sort of withdrawing from the mainstream of America and if we're going to really build this black American thing. People say, well, uh, 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 um, I'm not affected by Nas X. Yes, you are. He's wearing your skin color. You know, and the bottom line is the culture in America, right? If, if somebody's black is up there doing it, they're doing it in, in your name, in your behalf, whether they want to or not. <coughs> That's just reality. Well, white people don't care. Well, otherwise, white people are the majority. They're the ones in power. They're not affected by what a black person or white, another white person does. We are. We're a minority group. This is how they've been controlling us for, uh, for the last 200 years, I would say. They understood by controlling the means. They, white people know 
they know that there's black communities that are doing well in America. But let me say this. I have never, ever seen uh, Jamaica Queens, black Jamaica Queens, right? The, the neighbor, Jamaica states and all these places in Long Island that are black communities where that for generations thriving. I have never seen them portrayed in the news media. Never. The only thing they show in the news media is the housing projects in New York and the place that's run down. You never see uh, the nice sections of black sections of Baltimore, the suburbs and everything. That's almost like not black. You think they do that uh, by accident? No. There's a certain narrative. The black community is this. Like, I remember when the Howard Beach situation happened, right? And, uh, and, and uh, uh, the uh, Yusuf Hawkins situation happened. White people were like, well, we don't want to move on. I say, are you kidding me? The brown stuff, black people have better houses. And better, brown, Bed-Stuy was way better than uh, uh, Bensonhurst, where they were from. We have black communities in New York and Long Island where that, that surpassed the richest communities in New York City are black communities. Union Jail, Jamaica States, and all these other places like that are black. But the bottom line is what they always want to portray white people as, as their hardworking, working class communities. And they always show black people living in tenement houses. So that's a way of basically controlling you, making you think that you don't own, you don't have anything. And we buy, we buy into that. Hollis Queens, right? I remember Run DMC used to put out songs, you know, uh, 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 Hollis Queens. LL Cool J got in trouble years ago. I mean, he was young. I remember he was young, LL. He was like, yo, uh, somebody said to LL in an interview, well, how does it feel coming from the ghetto? And he got mad. He said, yo, I, I come from, I live in St. Albans, Queens. You know, he goes, I, I just uh, say all those queens, you know, house, you know. We come from, you see, we got a nice brick house and whatnot. I live in the basement and whatnot, you know. He said, Flash it all of them come from the, uh, the real ghetto and whatnot, but I come up here. You know, it, it, I remember what time LL Cool J was like, yo, look, man, you know, yeah, man, you know, we out here chilling, man. Brother, why was Jeep or not? He goes, we're chilling out here. And he got so much flack, oh, LL's not really ghetto and whatnot. And so he had to come back a couple years later with Seven Chops to the Dome. To be all real hood, it's almost like he was basically uh, uh, castigated for being <laughs> from a middle class neighborhood. From the keep, keep um, I mean, uh, uh, K. Solo made the song, you know, your mom's my, uh, your mom's my business, you know, you know, how, how bragging and boasting how much your family's grossing, you know, you know, my mom's. So, so basically, and HBMD from Long Island, you know, so basically, it was almost like, yo, you are not allowed to be. You know, show any sort of black progress and success. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear. Everybody wants to hear uh, you coming from the ghetto. You know, you had to overcompensate. You got people coming from, you know, middle class suburbs in Queens, Long Island, you know, and stuff like that. And you got to basically play the ghetto thing because that's what sells. You know, that's the image. You know, we always know that uh, uh, there's nice places like uh, Heavy D is for money earning Mount Vernon. You know, that was it. Money earned Mount Vernon. They were, uh, they were a slick wreck from Mount Vernon. Heavy D's from Mount Vernon. I used to hang out with Mount Vernon. We used to go down to Mount Vernon. We used to go down to White, uh, uh, Whitestone Theater, right across the Bronx, and that uh, Yonkers and stuff like that, you know. We used to hang out there, man. You know, people, you know, uh, back in the days and everything. Mount Vernon was a black enclave, right? People had good jobs in the city and everything. But, but they concentrated this area called Mount Vernon. And he called it Money Earner Mount Vernon. Why? Because everybody fucked. He came from there. Why not? His family had money, went to school. But upstate New York was a really nice, unique place in black America. 
what do you call it? Money under Mount Vernon. Money under Mount Vernon. But the whole thing is, you know, uh, you don't hear about the story of money under Mount Vernon because that died off because everybody wanted to hear it was toxic. You know, oh, we're doing so bad, the ghetto and all stuff like that, you know. Money under Mount Vernon, you know. You know, Strong Island. We should call Long Island Strong Island. Why? Because Long Island always had that black nationalist, black centers. You know, a lot of people that came from Harlem, right? Just because they went out to Long Island, you know, Queens, they still had that black nationalist thing in them, right? So went out to Long Island, they had houses and stuff like that. But these people were gods, a nation of gods of earth and everything. They had city jobs. I know people, you know, that that um that nation of Islam types, nation of gods of earth and whatnot, Muslims, Rastafarians, everything like that. They make good money. Right? They built a life for themselves. You know, not everybody who 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 make a life for themselves will not gotta be uh 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 live around white people. You know, or live in you know, in uh things. It's, it's, if you don't live around white people, you're living in some rough and everything. It's not like that. It's not the truth. That's just New York. That's where I'm from. Now, other states, you know, it's a really bad situation. You go to places like St. Louis. You know, Baltimore and places like that, it's a different story. You know, it's a different story. You got a lot of black people just, you know, just, you know, oh, me, yeah, pockets of success, but the failure and everything is the norm. That's just the way it is. You know, that's just the way it is. It's sad to uh, put it like that, but that's just the way it is. You know, we're going to, you know, uh, like that. But I hope I got the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the gist of what I'm talking about now about toxic culture. I think we're addicted to, uh, you know, you know, I, I think, um, the, uh, um, the gist of it, I hope I'm coming across, right? Because I take a lot of flack for this, right? Because we don't really, as black people, right? We're scared of our own shadows. You know, we're scared of our own shadows. We're just, you know, beating down everything. But one thing's going to be sure, there's going to be one voice out here. If I'm going to be alone, I'll be alone, right? I know for a fact we are not an inferior race. If nothing else I do this for is what I, I am here to go to war for my people and I make sure that I always do the right thing and showcase my people are the best people. The African-American community is a beautiful people. We have a beautiful culture, beautiful history and everything. It's something to be proud of. And we can be a people. We are a people. You know, we don't have to always be toxic and all this kind of nonsense. I remember a couple of years ago, a couple of years, I said, how you lose track of time? Jeez. I hate when I do this. A couple of years ago. Jeez, I'm getting old. That's another thing. When you get older and you say a couple of, damn, that was a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Uh, Comedian Eddie Griffin. I like Eddie Griffin and everything, right? But he showed up at um, Black, uh, Black Enterprise Magazine. It was like a beauty Pages, something like that, right? And uh, he began saying some some unhanded stuff. Anybody basically don't uh, uh, understand, uh, remember that, please inbox me later and we'll talk about it, right? But he was on stage and Earl Graves came and took the mic from him. Said, no, you got to get off stage, bro. He was talking this raunchy stuff, right? But it wasn't the crowd for that. He said, this is not tonight. And so, Earl Graves said, no, we got to take back our culture. 
that's when I really became uh, the collegeist saying, yeah, I'm going to be a culture critic. There's a time and place for everything. As you see now, that everything we do in black America, there's no boundaries. There's no limits. The people with that function, we got people like Nikki, uh, let's see, uh, Cardi B, and all these people. Let them, like I said, I would, what I would love to see is I would see all these institutions that we always glorify, like the Grammys, crash and burn. You know, BT Awards is garbage and everything. All these award shows are garbage. And something else new comes in its place. So the, once you take the, 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 the prestige, there's one thing they don't like. What they fear is us not showing up to the Grammys. You ever watch these uh, award shows? And, oh, I'm, I, such and such couldn't be here tonight, so I'm taking an award in, on their behalf. That's because the artist didn't think that, uh, 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 the artist did not think uh, uh, um, that a war was worth their time. You ever see that? Now you don't see that really much anymore. It seems like any time there's airtime, Beyonce, any people make their way to every award. It's like they can't stay out of anything. So they found that these people are addicted to the limelight. So anytime there's an award, right? It can be Nickelodeon. Everyone's showing up. When it gets to the point, and also there's red carpet, and you remember something, because this was before, that was before social media. They know, even though it's award shows, not just one night. The images are going to be put all over social media for days, weeks, and everything. So make these artists make sure they show up to even the most unprestigious award. So what this tells me is, if that's the case, what do you really need the Grammys for? If you're going to show up to even the smallest awards nowadays because they can generate the same amount of traffic on social media, what do you need? To, what do we still need the Grammys for? You know, it's like a oh, the Grammys, the Oscars, the this, the that. When when did that become part of the thing where we was like? I remember a time when we we had our own black institutions, award shows, and stuff like that. We have one uh, image awards, but none of the image awards meant compromise, you know? You see more white people in the audience than black people, you know? And so basically, we, uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> the award shows. I, it, I don't know. I don't know. I Like I said, and if you say something, Colin, you're just a hater. You're jealous. I it. Colin, you wish you was up there. You're just a hater. And you don't like nobody doing nothing, man. You want everybody to be, you know, stuck on on the internet like you are. I don't really care. I'm just, look, I'm just one man's voice giving my opinion. You know, I mean, is, is it all about these celebrities eating? Is it all about their egos and everything? We thought, oh, we got a black person that got roles, you know? Who the hell cares about some, seeing another Negro in a, in a television role? Who the heck cares? Kyle, you sound like a hater, man. You a hater. You know, I don't care about your roles, your roles. I'm going to keep saying it again. I don't care about your role and your, uh, your, your nonsense you're talking about, you know, your roles and everything. And I'm saying to myself, you know, and people don't like when I say that, you know, people don't like when I talk like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. I don't care. You can say what you want. Bull me all you want. Bull me all you want. I'm going to tell it like it is. Who cares about 
roles and awards. Let's get out all award shows and everything like that. Get the boot. The boot. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Bring the booze. Bring the booze. Bring the hate. I love it. Now, you can boo me all you want. Boo me all you want. Keep booing me. It doesn't change opinion. I'm going to keep saying what I want. I'm not scared of your booze. You know? I'm not scared of your booze. People are like, okay, yeah. Uh, we're going to boo Colin. So, yeah, boo me all you want. Boo me. But you know I'm telling the truth. Boo, boo, Colin. You're a hater, Colin. Why not, you know? So we're going to come back in a second. We'll play some music and come back in a minute and uh, play some songs. That's how I'll lift it up a little bit. We'll play some stuff and everything. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. You know. Can you can you uh remember this song right here? Remember this song right here back in the days? <coughs> no, okay, hold on. Let's see. Correct. 
Cause I control mine, but why so I see I don't test I got enough to do pencil I'ma scribble all over your name You see, I don't got no gas I didn't see the more Cause I heard that this is whack Like Chris, I rock, I'm flat like my jock She's an OID Genesis here. Do you understand that I'm a call of Genesis, the voice of the call of nation? Do you understand what call means? Call means life force. It means one, unity. It means force. <clears throat> Just like anything else, uh, if you have a, uh, a cell uh, balance and harmony in nature, you know what balance and harmony in nature means? That means you weed out imperfections and impurities and everything. When something is not right, Something doesn't sit well with you and I. It just naturally goes uh, to you, like a virus that gets in your body when not. Your body immune system rejects it and fights it. Black toxicity is like a virus that I'm trying to fight. I can see it a mile away. And so uh, until we basically get uh, on point with that, and like, like I said, like I said earlier, I said uh, I, I do believe this. This is what I, I, I think. I think there's just too many people. It's just not just Black America, White America. I think there's too many people uh, in entertainment. Let me let me clarify, preface this by saying this, right? It used to be a time when an entertainer, right? He did. And you look at some of the old. Stuff right, you watch uh old country news things, or you watch things from the 70s. Everything a band gets up, they'll say what they say, thank you for having us out. And they, and the and the and the, the publicist, whatever, protected their image. 
Now you had some rock bands uh, that had a, a, a drug uh, a thing image, like the Beatles, for example. Uh, they were about that life, you know, the drugs and everything. Elvis was a good old boy. Elvis didn't like the Beatles. Because why? In one year, let me tell you about this year. Before I was born, 1964 was a transformative year in the world and particularly in black America. In other words, the old America had went by the wayside. Elvis Presley symbolized the old America. And this, uh, 1964 is when the 60s began. When I say the 60s, we don't have to talk about a whole decade. You talk about from 1964 to roughly 1971. That's the 60s. Okay, that, that, that frame period. Elvis Presley was like, wait a minute here. These guys are not talking about uh, ain't nothing but a hound dog and all this stuff. So they're talking about uh, sex. They're talking about drugs. They're talking about that whole part of it. the Beatles were imported from Liverpool, uh, England, Liverpool, England. And they were part of the counterculture of America. The counterculture was done to basically um, uh, two things, right? A lot of black people brought into the counterculture of America because they believe America was inherently racist, right? So we bought into the toxic culture of the counterculture, the drug culture. That didn't literally last really long because there were a lot of black people who rejected the counterculture, right? They wanted civil rights. They didn't want to upset the social order. They believe in uh, families, marriage, and all stuff like that. You know, the party culture and everything uh, wasn't really, didn't resonate with black America. But the black leadership in, in America joined with the counterculture movement. Of uh, the uh, 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 of the left and Malcolm X. <laughs> That's another thing. I wish I could find this uh, uh, clip. Right, I'm gonna try to look for it. Malcolm X talked about this, right? Because and Elijah Muhammad talked about this at the time. He said, "Look, man, in 1964 was a really, uh, really strange year. You know, even Malcolm X found himself marginalized. Oh, Malcolm, you're not." Uh, you're you're not hip. Think about this. Man, that's not cool anymore. You know, I mean, you talk about being clean cut and, and stuff like that. You know, you tell us you tell us to uh, uh, wear our conk hair and stuff like that. You tell us to leave the white girls alone. But there was a culture in Black America emerging that wanted to party, wanted to be dope, and everything. While at the same time. There was a breakaway movement in the nation of Islam, the Black Milton movement, right? That said, you know something? We like all the black power and everything like that, but we still eat pork. You know, we like all that stuff like that, man, but still, we're selling drugs. And the nation of Islam was infiltrated at the time, in the 64, 65, by a criminal element. Selling heroin, still involved with stuff like that. Malcolm X found out about it, right? And he was going to expose it. That's why they killed him. It wasn't because he was saying about Elijah Muhammad's woman. No, that's what happened. So basically what you have right now in the wake of that, right, is people, although you come into the nation of Islam, you didn't want to give up that, that gangster life, a thug life. You didn't want to give up that, that the, the, the streets. You didn't want to give up that stuff. But Malcolm said, you look, you have to give that up. You have to transform something new. Like I said, there's a metamorphosis, you know, like that I even went through. 
you know, when I said I wanted to become collagenesis and everything, it's like a two-year metamorphosis. Like back in 2007, 2008, I said, I love this life. I love the girls every night. I love females coming up to me and everything like that. I can't get enough of them. They're beautiful. I can't, I'm weak, you know. I love the party. But somebody, something said, you have a calling out there. You know what you have to do. You know this is not you. It's not what you like. Yeah, so I was fighting my destiny. I ignored my destiny. And so basically I was battling. I was battling. So when I finally decided that I had enough, by about 2009, early 2010, I had enough. I left the club situation alone and then went back. I said, I'm going to become the collagenesis finally. I, I, I rebirthed into the collagenesis fully. The problem is a lot of people, when they want to make that transformation, right, they're lukewarm. What does the Bible say in Leviticus? I think it was by lukewarm. If you are lukewarm, I shall spew you out of my mouth. You know what lukewarm means? The type of warmth, right, we drink it. It's not hot or cold. It's lukewarm. When somebody's lukewarm, they'll make you sick. That's one thing I can't stand, lukewarm people. If you're going to be cold, <coughs> not involved in this. Or you're going to be hot and forced. What you have is way too many people in our community that are lukewarm. They want to talk about the right thing, but they can't leave the, 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 the ratchet culture alone. They can't leave the, uh, the, the, the streets and all that negativity alone. So they're half in, half out. That's why we're sick. Now, if you're all in the streets, hey, it's fine. You do your thing. There's always people that there's always going to be there. If you're not in there, okay, you're doing there. But you have people that want to balance and want to do both. You can't do both. Like I had to make a decision. And I'm glad I did. Sometimes I said, man, I should be out there, man, doing that. No. Everything that I have now, I'm glad I sacrificed. I mean, those times I was like, man, what the hell? I, I get all this blowback. People ain't appreciating what I'm doing. I'm an author. I did this. I've been on tons of shows. I've said all I got to say, when I, but now I'm starting to see that, yeah, I am having an effect on people. Now, yeah, I look at one of my one of my guys, Dominique, that was on the show a couple weeks ago. I, I remember him. Now he's all, he's a man himself. Now he's 33, right? Uh, and back in 2009, 2010, that's when I first met him. He used to be on my radio show all the time, you know, him and a bunch of other young guys. My first followers, right? Now, these guys are men with families now, in their 30s, but men with families. And I'm saying to myself, they'll tell me, yeah, you had a really effect on me. I'm like, damn, wow. Remember when you said like this? And I, I see people, man, I've been listening to college justice since I was a teenager. I'm like, damn, you're right. You know, 2006, man, I've been blogging since 2006. And if somebody was like 17, 18, 19, and they heard my blogs, these guys in their 30s. I, jeez, I, I influenced a whole generation. Of people, oh, I know about college and whatnot. I've been listening to him for years and whatnot. You know, I forgot. Well, time goes by. You're influencing people. So I mean, that's what makes me get up and want to do this all the time, right? Because I am having an effect on people, you know? I had people come up to me and say, because of you, college man, I went back to school. And people invite me, I got my degree now. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, like that. Even if you don't follow what we're talking about in Africa and everything, but the fact that I made it important when I talked about things that I value, I value hard work. I value education and doing the right thing. Because when I first got on social media, nobody was like that. Everybody was a gangster, a player, 
and all the stuff like this, you know. And I said, look, you know, this is the way we got to do. And I talk about bread and butter issues, you know. Oh, yeah. I talk about what happened to me as a kid. You know, oh, yeah, my, my grandfather says, oh, I love the stories. I tell about the time. Remember the time you talked about me, grandfather? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I had my brother, uh, uh, Black Achievement. I want to have Black Achievement on the show one day. Oh, yeah, the time when you told me when you guys moved from the city to upstate New York. And I was like, yeah, I told you. People know my story, remember my story better than I do. You know, so basically what I'm saying is, you know, I had a lot of influence on a lot of people. And talking to people over the years and whatnot, you know, and I'm like this, you know, it's like college, you just rock. I said, look, but don't depend on me. Depend on yourself. Believe in yourself. You know, believe in yourself. Make sure you get uh, uh, what you got to do in life. I could just be on here as just a helper and just uh, talk to you and encourage and give you encouragement. But ultimately, it's up to you. And I'm just proud to say that, you know, there's a lot of people I've influenced. But, okay, yeah, I'm on, I didn't know where to go. Uh, no direction. I, I understand that. I was out there, too. No direction. It seemed like all the wrong people. This is nothing. It always seems like the wrong people always win. I, and, it, and when you tell them, the bottom line is this. You ever, I read the, 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 the Devil and Tom Walker. When you make a soul, when you sell your soul to the devil, right? All these people you see with their millions of dollars and their bling and everything like that, they can't take that to the grave with them. You know, I want, we want all the wealth too, right? We want all that stuff like too, but we're not going to sell our souls for it. We're not going to sell our community out for it. That's the difference. It may take us longer to get to the promised land and to wealth and everything like that, but we're trying. But one thing I'm not going to do is sell my soul. You know, I'm not going to devil worship. I'm not going to Satan worship. I'm not going to uh, throw my brothers under the bus. I'm not going to throw my sisters under the bus. I'm not going to do anything I can to achieve fame and everything and do things I don't believe in. That's the difference. And so bottom line, it is what it is. These guys, let them have their money right now. But your dignity and your pride and your self-respect is worth more than all the money they can throw at you. These people, these people don't own themselves. You think these uh, entertainers are happy? No. They're not happy. None of them. Do they look happy to you? No. Well, I would be happy. Well, no, you would not. Yeah. Everyone would be happy if they had a half a billion dollars in the bank. But at what cost? But what, at what cost? There's a lot you have to go through to get that. You don't own yourself. You know, you don't own who you are. You know, you're some brand. I remember I was watching. I figured this out. When I was watching Michael Jordan being inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, right? And he was just not. And you know it's Michael Jordan for some reason. You ever see Michael Jordan really be happy? When's the last time you saw Michael Jordan happy smile? Never. Why? Because he was Air Jordan. I want to be like Mike, you know? And he basically, they created their own Michael Jordan. And he's probably like, that's not really me. You know? That's why I got more than just slamming a basketball and everything, you know? And being like Mike and all these kids out here talking about Michael Jordan. You, know, you saw that a little bit in that movie uh, Space Jam, you know? The bottom line is uh, your soul is worth everything. You never sell your soul for any price. When someone tells you, gets up and tells you, or somebody tells themselves, Colin, man, I like your program. Uh, we're going to give you a multi-million dollar contract. I said, no, I'm not interested. Why? 
I said, like, guys, if I can control everything that I'm saying, and I don't have to uh, 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 have some uh, celebrity on or some I don't like, whatever. The perfect example who I like, who I admire all the time is Howard Stern. And say what you want about Howard Stern, where he got tired of the FCC, when not he went to Sirius XM. He said, you're not going to tell me what to do. And he was off the head. You never knew he was going to come at you. next. You know, to this day, no one knows whether Howard was a Democrat or Republican. Was he liberal or conservative? You know, was he racist? Not, no one knew. You know, that's what you have when you have real freedom. You know, I, and Howard Stern was always a person I admired every day. Same with Rush Limbaugh. I always admired those two guys because they just said what they want. They have their own network and everything. They gross a whole, whole bunch of money. They don't have to do the Hollywood rounds and all this stuff like that, suck it up to the Hollywood establishment and everything. I like that. You know, that's what appealed to me. I said, if you're going to do radio or if you're going to do stuff like that, you've got to be able to say what you think, what's on your mind. If you can't do that, what's the point? You know, how can you get up every day and someone got a script for you to find? Oh, read this, Carla. Read this. Say this, Carla. You know, say this, Carla. You don't know. You got to say this. You got to say this, you know. You know, and I'm saying to myself, geez, no. You know, I'm not going to can't you sit here and uh, 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 be a social justice warrior for everything. You know, I don't agree with everything in the social justice warrior and everything. I agree, yes, police brutality should stop and everything. But I also believe black people need to start obeying the law. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, I'm sick and tired of seeing every time I look around, somebody got a camera talking about, oh, it's police, he pulled me over. Look, police pull you over, shut the fuck up. That's what I do. That's what you know, white people do. Uh, you ever watch a, a, a white uh, mafia or a businessman? He gets arrested by the police. He just shuts up. Okay, let him do the job. Take me away. I'll be out, and uh, he'll be like, "Oh, I'll be out in a few hours. Don't worry about it." Say, keep my coffee warm for me. I'll be out. You know, that's how they play it. Black people, oh man, you really, they go, they got lawyer. I'm a lawyer up and everything. We're gonna do, do this right, whatever. They go through the procedure. Black people, oh man, you know, look, look dude, if. Once you once they make the decision, you're under arrest, or they pull you over, shut the fuck up, because you're not going to do anything to change that. All you're going to do is escalate it and make it worse. We don't believe in the system. We don't believe in the law. We don't believe in any, any stuff like that. So we basically want to resist. As if you're going to tell the cop in living in society that some way the cops in, uh, in America are going to stop using their authority to pull you over. It's not going to happen. And that's what they want right now. They want the they want this how this is gonna end, I don't know. It's gonna end well for black people. They want it so that the cops are afraid to pull black people over and all this stuff like that. And the bottom line is this, it's not going to happen. You know, if you if that's what you're betting on, that's your end game, is uh 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 um you know, is getting people uh, uh getting police to just ignore your crime. And, 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 and listen, let me tell you something. Another thing is toxic culture is this. There's a lot of huge criminal element in black America leading these protests and, and, and taking advantage of the, of the breach and crime and everything to do all that dirt in the community. Yeah, look, that's why I don't show up to rallies or anything. I don't know who I'm showing up there with. There's a lot of people who put on Black Lives Matter and everything that got ulterior motives. You ain't thinking about no thing, but you want to basically have a cover. Look, that's happened in the Nation of Islam, happened in black churches. There were criminals who hid in black churches. He passed money. Bumpy Johnson, you know, I, I, I know, went to a black church. He gave money, right, because of the front. 
The pastor ain't saying nothing. He's looking at how much money that collection plate. And his new car. The Nation of Islam in Philadelphia uh, uh, had criminals who joined the Nation of Islam and they were dealing heroin. That's why they killed Malcolm X. Out of Newark and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, it's called the Black Mafia family. They infiltrated they used the Nation of Islam as a cover to uh, sell heroin. And of course, they were kicking up to Elijah Muhammad and everything because there was so much money. Everybody looked the other way. The only person in the way at the time was Malcolm X. That's why they had to take him out. It was a criminal operation orchestrated by the New York City Police Department, the mafia, the mob, and maybe even Bumpy Johnson himself was probably involved in Malcolm X's assassination. Because Bumpy Johnson was so eagerly to pay for Malcolm X's funeral, Malcolm was in the way. Of a lot of people. And like I said, I don't know how this, uh, this is going to play out, but this toxic culture in black America has not sustained itself. Look at Harlem right in the wake of the, of the heroin epidemic when that was destroyed. It destroyed the city. Harlem was gone. I don't know, with the, across the border, there's going to be a huge, large number of fentanyl coming across the border. We're going to have more. Uh, George Floyd died of fentanyl overdose. And that uh, cop with his uh, foot on his neck and everything, but there's a huge opioid crisis that's going to rock black America. But we don't say nothing about it. Why? Because I don't know. Because it's like this. Hey, look, you know, somebody's out there and they're like, he's doing what he wants to do. And no, you have to be your brother's keeper. Tell him no. Doing drugs is not good. Let's, let's get you into rehab. Your, uh, uh, your life is worth living. You know, George Floyd had all these people around him, but nobody wanted to clean him up. Nobody wanted to do the right thing with him. But now that he's dead, uh, Biggie Smalls always said, you're nobody until somebody kills you. Let's not stop celebrating people when they're dead. Let's do something when you're alive, you know. Don't tell those celebrating Colin when he's gone. Talk about talk to me when I'm alive. Listen to what I'm saying when I'm, al I'm alive. Don't tell me about what, when I'm dead and gone and when I we're going to talk about and everything. Let's talk about stuff now. What if, uh, which we call, if uh, uh, I don't live to see this, whatever, you know? Well, you know, it is what it is, Kawa. No, it's not like that. It's a fact that, a matter of fact, is we have a culture that's addicted to toxicity. We're toxic. Whatever's negative, whatever is uh, 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 wrong, we like it. We don't know the truth. We don't want to know the truth from wrong from right. It's all toxic, whatever. We, and all that. We don't have, have the guts as men and grown men and women to condemn wrong and, uh, and celebrate right. And it also comes from a point of not having the power of reward and punishment in our community. A lot of black America has always been like a volunteer situation. You join, the, you're part of the community because, okay, I love, it's a good thing, so I came from and everything, but there's nothing really, uh, you're not really bound to anything. There's nothing holding you accountable. So anytime, people can start going their own way. But well, it used to be a time where, you know, we checked each other. You know, we checked each other. In the 30s and 40s and whatnot, not all those bodies in the south, in the river, uh, were clan victims. Sometimes there were black people who somebody violated. We didn't go to the authorities. 
and people handed their own business. You know, that's how it was. People realized that. Not every person you saw hung in was hung by, by the Klan. Sometimes other black people, you know, uh, doing their, um, uh, 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 do, giving out justice, whatever, you know. But that's what, what we have uh, in, uh, we don't have that. We, we don't trust the courts. We don't trust uh, uh, the medical establishment. I had asked this question, right? Uh, Minister Farrakhan, why is he telling people not to take the shots? And like I said, people have said, I have never given a thing. I consider if I registered for taking a shot, the COVID shot, and I think I'm going to go through with it, right? But at the same time, I'm not going to get up there. I don't understand why we have irresponsible leaders who are basically uh, uh, going out and telling people, oh, conspiracy to do this. So you don't know that. Are you a freaking doctor? Are you a, oh, so an epidemiologist? What is uh, Dr. Fauci? Are you all those things? No. So why are you in a position to tell somebody not to take the shots? You know, why would it, why is it nobody could question somebody telling somebody not to take the shots? Because we're just, uh, we're just, we're just the people that don't know who we are. Think about it. We don't have enough people saying, yo, look, uh, minister, I love you. We love you. But shut the fuck up. We don't have anybody like that. You know, I'm the only one that they'll say so like that. Minister, we love you. You mean a whole lot to all of us, you know. Push, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about, you know. And so the bottom line is uh, we're not going to sit here and uh, listen to you. People want to get vaccinated, let them get vaccinated. Let them consult with their doctor. You know, let them consult with their doctor. If they don't uh, uh, see this, you know, they see it's all right, then let them get the shot. Oh, we we black people, the white man, the racist, the enemy. There's no the. There's no the. There's no we. There's no our right now in black America. We want to get it like that, right? But it can only be we, us, and our on collective good for the better good. When we have a government for the common good, not for the common fuck shit. We can't be a people... On the common function. We have to be on the common good. We're here for the the overall good of the, when the government established the good of the society, the well, the general welfare, right? Not the function. The government is not uh, here to entertain you for function. They're for the general welfare. If we're going to be a community, we have to be a community based on what's best for us for the general welfare of the community. Not every time somebody has a dumbass, which we call but here we go.
Genesis. Welcome to the last segment of the Voice of the College Nation radio show. And it like pains me because I know the last segment, it'll be another week before I'm back on. You know, you know what it's like to go a whole week without hearing my own voice and uh talk and talking. I love the sound of my own voice. <coughs> I love the fact that people out here listen. I like being listened to. And basically, uh, it just pains me that I only got one week. Well, I got on Dinosaur Show and everything, but it's not the same thing. It's just, I love this platform. But I only got one once a week and everything like that. This is very, very addicting. addicting. And like I said, I can't wait to get back on here uh, another week and next week. The whole week, I go a whole week. And a, thought, a lot of times, I have thoughts in my head about stuff I'm going to say. And I write it down the side of the road. And I'll say, let me, write, let me talk about that, you know? We talk about that. I remember to talk about that. We remember to talk about that. And so it comes out really good. People are like, wow, geez, man, I learned a lot on the show. You know, and the whole thing is, I understand when people listen to you, you have a responsibility. 
Now, uh, what I'm seeing now, like this toxic culture, the last thing I want to talk about is irresponsible people uh, spreading fake history, fake news, uh, drama, and basically trying to use uh, social media for clicks, views, and likes. It's a toxic culture, you know? You know, toxic culture in our community. So it's toxic everywhere, yeah, but it's, it's really wrecking havoc in black America. Uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a mess. People are, are getting on social media platforms, right? And they're basically lying about history, like this lie about, uh, oh, yeah, man, uh, the first uh, Americans were African-Americans. Slavery never happened. There's no stupid stuff like this. It spreads on social media because black people are sick. And we have people that don't want to be, uh, don't, can't deal with the pain and trauma of, yes, we were Africans captured, brought to America. That's who we are. That's right. Never turn your back on your ancestors. When they were in those slave ships and everything like that, they didn't have a choice. But they knew one day we were going to vindicate them. Right? We were going to uh, 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 justice. But you would rather throw them under the bus because you are so ashamed of you're a white man and everybody's making you so ashamed of your history. There's nothing to be ashamed about. The shame is the fact that the slaves, our ancestors were slaves. They did what they had. They had no choice. They were forced. Why would, I, why would you abandon your ancestors and whatever like that? Because you you don't think it's cool enough. I, I'm not black. You know, I'm, I'm this. I'm this. I, I, I'm not African. And when I, I'm this. You'll never be black. And that's what the problem is. Psychologically and mentally, a lot of black people don't want to be black. You know, they don't want to be black. You could have white friends. I have white friends. I have white people, co-workers, everyone working with. But the bottom line, I'm black. I'm not going to appease nobody just to make somebody else feel good. Oh, but there's, I see no color. Yeah, I do see color. I'm freaking black. I look in the mirror. I see, a, I see a Negro standing looking at me. I'm black. I'm proud of it. You know? My father, my mother, my grandparents, all black folks. I'm going to get in the, uh, sit, what, do you want, what do you want me to do? Sit around in Starbucks and talk about how, oh, this non-binary nonsense. I'm a man, too. I'm a black man. I'm proud of it. You know, that's another thing why I started college. I saw that they were trying at the time. And I was right. See, a lot of times, back in the days, 2005, 2006, I thought I was being paranoid. But I saw all this coming. All this stuff, the social warrior stuff that you see right here, all the stuff with this transgender and all this, I saw all this coming. I said, I'm going to be prepared. And I'm thank God that I did. Because I'm in a good position to fight back. Uh, suddenly, after all these years of oppression and racism, right, the way out is, okay, let's now black people are starting to gain some sort of power. But now we're not black anymore. We're Democrats. You know, we're not black anymore. Oh, is there really such thing as a race? Are you kidding me? So so in other words, you're going to dismiss all the pain and suffering, my ancestors and everything, because it it doesn't fit your narrative. You want me to see myself as just a human now. No, it don't work like that. Oh, there's no male or female. Now they're trying to say, Male and female is a social construct. 
now I'm a black man. I'm proud to be a black man. I finally got to the point in my life where I started to say, yeah, I'm black. I'm Lynn. Yeah, I, I feel like Chala, Wakanda, and all stuff like that. Now suddenly, nah, race ain't so important. Now nah, let's all be one humanity. One, there's no female, there's no male, there's no black and white. Why? Because it doesn't serve them anymore. Because the white racists are on their way out. They've been on their way out. That's why Trump was irrelevant to the greater thing. They, they've been lost that power. We're the only ones that still believe in the white boogeyman. Trump was nobody. He was just somebody trying to save the country. He was a populist. But we had a, oh, the white man, this is any other thing. Oh, oh, oh. It's nonsense. Now, the, everybody knows the black man's in a good position to be strong. We don't have to kowtow. We can, be, we can approach both political parties. This is what we want. But, oh, you got Candace Owens. She wants to be a conservative. Uh, conservative. You got uh, Roland Martin. I call him Roland Farton. You got Roland Farton out there. Hey, you know something? I saw Roland the other day with a friggin' uh, uh, in an African guard, right? With, like he had a dress on. Roland, dude, you know, you have to have shorts and everything, uh, uh, trousers, and you have this thing on, but you don't wear it all the way down to your damn ankles like you're wearing a dress. You're like a freaking fool. And he had this one outfit on. He's like a freaking uh, 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 a a steak burrito. I'm like, Roland, what the hell you got on? He's like like somebody wrapped him. Like he's like a burrito. I got hungry. I went out to Taco Bell and got me a freaking steak burrito. I got hungry looking at Roland. I said, man, this nigga look like a freaking uh, steak burrito. And his kente cloth when I all kinds of not fitting you know. Man, I said, man, that was like a stuffed fat burrito. I went there. Taco Bell got me a big fat burrito. I was like, yeah, thank you, Roland. I haven't had wings in a long time. They look like a chick, a freaking steak burrito. <laughs> I was like, please. You got Roland Martin out there talking about. Oh, the media don't spend any money in black rolling. They're not going to give your black ass no dollars. You gave the baby with the bathwater. They used you. They got what they want out of you. You got people, black people out there to the poll. You got rolling. You got them out there in, the, in, in the, uh, those runoff elections. They don't need you no more, fool. They don't need you anymore. Now they got what they want out of you. Man, what, 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 what do you look, what, what's it to complain about? Oh, we got to spend dollars. They don't need to spend no dollars on black platforms because they know you're watching CNN, Fox, and MSNBC. If you were basically smart, the black platforms, that's why I said I didn't believe in this idea of an independent. You know, not, that's how I was right. I said that this idea of an independent black new media is going to do something. It didn't. Everything collapsed. That ADOS, African uh, slavery descendants, that collapsed. FBA collapsed. A uh, three machine clap, all this stuff like a clap, right? Because black people didn't li- listen to nothing. They got emotional. They they knew what they were doing. Had 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 it not been for 2020, COVID 19, and George Floyd, right? Donald Trump would have won easily. Because there was enough black people saying, you know, something was tired of Democrat was staying home. You cannot stay home as a black person. You cannot do that. If every black person, 90% of black people say we're not voting for two election cycle, right? Broad, they will come and probably arrest you. They're kicking your door and arrest you for sedition. Really? They're not going to let you do that. Because a balance of power in America and the world would be upset. 
So the bottom line said, what were you, you don't get nothing for your vote. Just like, let me say something. You go to vote, it's like you pitting, kicking, cotton. You ain't getting nothing in return. Call it a really harsh, man. How do you say I'm just, look, I here with a freaking, uh, a sharp axe. And to cut down the tree of the corrupt black establishment. I come here with a double-bladed axe, double-edged axe, to cut down the tree. I'm not here to peel apples and nitpick. I'm here to cut this shit down. The black establishment, right, is only out for itself. Have you figured that out? Al Sharpton's kids and all these other kids, they, they, they're taken care of. All they need you to get out there for is they're Democrats. They're not black people. They're Democrats. All they need you to get out there and vote and hate Republicans. Not create your own political party or have an agenda. There's no black agenda on the table. All they have you like, it's like Malcolm X said that in 1964. He said that, he said, emerging in the black thing is this thing called a liberal. <coughs> without the for a black vote, without the black people's struggle, the liberal Jew and the white, white liberal would not exist. They would have no power. And I basically came up in New York where not. There was, and also, Al Sharpton seems to forget is that there was a war going on between the white liberal establishment and the black community. The emerging black community that was prospering and everything in New York and everything after a, a generation after a, a civil rights movement. We had black communities and everything. But the, the the white liberals, the white the white Democratic Party, which Joe Biden represents at the time, were racist, just as racist. And probably for Republicans, we didn't even know them were Republicans. They were irrelevant in New York, you know? It was Democrats. It was our fight with the Democrats. You had those Democrats. It was a war between the Jimmy Carter types, the Joe Biden types, and the Ted Kennedy types, and Michael Dukakis types of Democrats. And it was a compromise, right? And so you had uh, Joe Biden... You had uh, 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 Robert Byrd and all these other people uh, that were Democrats, but they were racist, white Democrats. They hated Republicans, but they're Democrats. So there was an alliance between them, the white unionists, uh, trade unionist types, and all these other people and everything. And so basically, the, to put it all together, they had the black vote. They get Jesse Jackson up there and everything. That was the Democratic Party, for the most part. It was a white party. A white party of uh, people who are not Republicanism, as I recall, was a party of the big business and banks and conservatism and, and open borders at the time. You know, cheap labor, you know, globalism, you know. And the Democratic Party at the time, well, it was globalism, but they didn't like uh, wars and everything like that, you know. But the whole thing is the Republicans, the, the neocon Republicans, uh, did have a lot of money invested in uh, military stuff and everything. So basically, there's no real defined Republican Party, as I recall. Uh, when Reagan came around, it was Reagan-esque. And people said, oh, Reagan is. Reagan was the one who started the border crisis, you know? So how can Reagan be a conservative as you, you think he is? My parents voted for Reagan in 1984. We're a homeowner. We're middle class black people. We're voting for Ronald Reagan. Because of the values and everything. Now, at the time, America was trying to introduce black America into the mainstream. You had TV shows like Miami Vice. You had movies like uh, 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 Trading Places. And, uh, and then uh, you had movies like Lethal Weapon and everything. Black America, it seemed like it had arrived in the mainstream of America. You know, in popular culture and everything. Eddie Murphy, popular Eddie Murphy movies and stuff like that, you know. But that was, 
that was a long time ago, a long time ago. You know, so and then what gets me is this was very controversial. What I'm about to say, um, I didn't see anything wrong in the 80s. Anytime there's a racial incident that happens, right? They always blame the president and wrong. When Howard Beach happened, right? And Forsyth County, they said, oh, it was Reagan because uh, Reagan was very pro-American. So anytime a person person is pro-American, that always uh, assumes that the person is racist. So what that tells me is this. If when us black nationals saying America's inherently racist, let's get our own nation. No, 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 we're American. But every time someone who's a right-wing person gets in America, pro-American, in other words, basically, if you if America was what you say people say it is, and they telling me I should be American and all like that, the parties would be the black vote would be split evenly between the Democrats and Republicans. You at least have middle class black people voting Republicans. That's not like that. The Democratic Party have people. Let me tell me something. If you're a middle class black person, right, who don't rely on food stamps or anything like that, Section Eight and everything, uh, what does the Democrat Party do for you? Nothing, because we in the community. We're too scared to say, you know something, I'm not on food stamps. What do you do? No, no, no. That's that's what they assign to you. So you got whole sections of black America who are dying because there's no how to, there's no community that at least Trump said we're gonna have a billion dollar platinum plus plan for black America, invest in black businesses. Okay. I, I, okay. You know, who knows? Our businesses could have got money, you know, could have got money. Like, you know, we could be sitting pretty right now on that, you know? Because they're giving out the money anyway. Joe Biden's gonna spend it free. But black Americans are not going to get nothing out of this money. So we, we shut ourselves in the foot this last election. So you ask yourself this question, right? Okay, what do we get out of that, right? All they keep coming back to food. I'm not on food stamps. You know, what about the black? I don't give a fuck, you know. There's more white people on food stamps than black people. Why are we keep voting for the same social thing that hasn't moved out our community forward? Now, Donald Trump did uh, gave uh, permanent funding to the HBCU. Wasn't that good? Isn't that worthy of praise? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Because we don't care about that, you know? We don't care about that. You know? We don't care about that, you know? You know? We don't care about that. We don't care about anything. Because there's no, like I said at the top of the show, there's no 100-year plan. There's no coordinated black America. We don't have LARP. We don't have LARP. Let me say it again. In case you forgot. In case you want to forget. LARP, L-A-R-P. It has to be reasonable. I mean, to be logical. It has to be achievable. It has to be reasonable. And it has to be practical. Show me one thing that we have when you basically say, okay, this is what we have for Black America. If it's LARP, they'll look at it and say, you know something? We could make this in our, 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 our we could make this part of our, our agenda. But when you have black people getting up here talking crazy stuff, we were reparations paid out. You know that wasn't going to happen. That was not going to happen. Yeah, we, we have uh, 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 one person that was running for Democrats. Somehow I'm looking to reparations black people. Like, oh, I smell reparations on the way. We're not, you know. When it was all said and done, the Democrats and Republicans were like, nigga, get the heck out of here. What are you going to do? You have no power. And what happens is you become actually weak. We, we politically in black America are probably at our weakest level. We're probably at the weakest point we have been in our history. Because we put it all out there. Because we didn't have a plan. With all these social media platforms, we didn't have a LARP plan. Something that was logical. 
achievable, reasonable, and practical. That's a balance right there. Logical, achievable, reasonable, and practical. We didn't have a LARP. That's why we have nothing. Listen, man, we ain't sitting back and doing nothing because we didn't have a LARP. Maybe some people listening to the show will say, you know something? There was this guy named Carl Genesis, man. He has some really good ideas. And swallow your pride. And next time, put our show on your Instagram page and say, you know, you got to listen to this guy, Carl, on Wednesday nights. Not everybody, every, see, what it is like this. These platforms, instead of people, when I see somebody is good, right, good, and somebody got something, I don't, I'll share them in a minute. Well, I ain't going to share that. He's going to have more views than me. He's going to have one over there. Well, what if I'm saying something that the people need to hear? Oh, man. That nigga's going to have more likes than me and whatnot, you know? Clown stuff. Negroism. You know, you ain't going to go viral on me, Carlos. You know, but what about the cause? What about the, what I'm saying? Shouldn't people listen to this? Uh, I don't know. What I tell you about toxic, toxic cultures, toxic jealousy, toxic envy. You envy people. I see people destroy movements that could benefit the whole entire community because you were so jealous. You were so envious and everything. You don't want to take time and join with Kyle Genesis and they're saying, look, what can we do to spread this message? That's why I'm here. I got a message I want to spread. And things I've seen in my life and whatnot, I believe that can help people, help our people. But people don't want to do that. They want to sit back and, oh, uh, well, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, no, no, no. The problems we have in black America are what? Solvable. If you have a LARP and you have things, you have to say, is it solvable? Yes, it is. We could do this. You know something? What, what a business example of LARP is, you know? LARP is, LARP is when you have colleges and universities, right? Colleges and universities, and you basically, uh, 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 a college university could transform a society. Everything from the roads, the infrastructure, the legal system, the social fabric, all those things are thought of at colleges and institutions that are put into Play when it's drawn up and everything by LARP systems, right? And it's saying, okay, it's been studied and everything like that. We got a feasibility study. It's LARP. We're gonna basically put this into legislation. <clears throat> We're gonna find the ways and means to do it, and this is gonna transform this over a certain amount of time. And like magic, it happens. But we don't have in Black America that ability. You look at our black colleges and everything, it's just about people going to school looking good and getting up talking about race and white supremacy. There's no, there's nothing in black colleges that could transform a community. Look at Howard and look at the D.C. area. Nothing. Sure, you got some people living in Prince George County and everything like that, but we have never been in a situation where an education system could transform our society because we're not in control of society. White people control society. Let's stop kidding ourselves. We don't have black leaders. We have overseers. We have mouth spokes mouths and people who dictate to us what the policies we better vote for or we ain't black. What do you mean? You ain't vote. You don't vote for me or Democrats. You ain't black. That right there. I mean, 
right there was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. I said to myself, well, geez, are we that beaten down? You know? Uh, well, we, uh, 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 we're that beaten down that some white man, uh, Jim Crow Joe, could tell us, you ain't black, man, if you don't vote for him. I don't believe what I'm hearing. How do we become Democrats? We're not black. We're not African American. Stop kidding ourselves. We're Democrats. You know, we're Democrats. Democrats and, and lackeys and uh, uh, front and foot soldiers for the Democrats. I was saying the same thing as Republicans. If somebody said you ain't black unless you vote for uh, for a Republican, I'll say the same thing. How dare you? How dare you say something like that? Well, folks, this has been a Voice of the Colonization show. I will be back. Hey, people, I'm going to send you out with some music. And uh, I want to figure out a way. I'm going to very soon, I'm going to start having a, a way. I'm going to have uh, figure out a way how to do call-in shows. People can call in and stuff like that. Random call. I'm going to start taking random callers on that. People hate my guts. Call in and just tell me all about it. You know, I know a lot of people freaking hate me. Hate my guts and everything. But I want to hear from you, you know, because I love the public. I love the spotlight, you know. And like I said, this the, the hate people give to me is like uh, I don't know, I don't know. I feel good. So basically, let me play some music and go out on on a limb. I'll be back here next week, same call time, same call channel. You know, you know. Quick call. Nice.
Yourself. 